Today is actually St. Patrick's Day. I don't know uh, when I was scheduled to speak here. I was kind of looking at the calendar, and it said St. Patrick's Day. And I uh, started thinking about that, and I actually looked up what St. Patrick's Day is all about. I don't know if anybody in here knows what St. Patrick's Day is all about, but I thought it would be cool to maybe share that. But um, St. Patrick's Day is an observant of uh, uh, you're observing the day that St. Patrick died. March 17th, this guy named St. Patrick passed away. And uh, his story is really incredible. Um, unfortunately, it's turned into the celebration of Irish culture and um, of, of partying and parades and drinking and loud music and certain, few, certain types of few, food. But that's not what St. Patrick's Day is all about. Um, St. Patrick was born in Britain. He's not even Irish. Uh, and when he was 16 years old, he was kidnapped by the Irish and taken over to Ireland. And he, there he becomes a shepherd, and he's serving as a slave, as a shepherd. And it's incredible, during that time, he finds God. Amen? It's just something that God has about shepherds, you know, uh, throughout the Bible. And so anyway, he, he, he finds God serving as a shepherd, and then... God tells him to escape and to go back home. And he tells him that there'd be a boat waiting for him by the shore and all this kind of stuff. Well, anyway, he, he escapes and he gets back home and he begins to study to become a priest. And after years of studying, the Lord just has a funny way of working things out. The Lord commissions him. He goes as a, minish, uh, as a missionary back to Ireland. And he begins to... uh, begins to spread God's word there. And he converts thousands of the Irish to Christianity. And he would use the three-leaf clover to explain the Trinity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen? So I say to you today that when you see a three-leaf clover, instead of thinking about all the negative condensation that goes along with that, Think about a man who went on a mission to spread Jesus' word. Amen? And uh, and how cool that is. You know, I'm so glad that I'm not dependent on good luck. I'm dependent on the grace of my Lord Jesus Christ. I don't need luck. Amen? I got blessed. Amen? I'm so thankful that I don't have to wear green so I don't get pinched. You know? I'm so thankful that as the Bible says, that, that I not be drunk with wine, but I be filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? So glad that I don't have to wear a certain color for a certain day. Isaiah says this, he says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. <laughs> I may, I mean, my wife picked this out this morning, but... God has already clothed me in the garments of salvation. Amen. I pray that all of us that came in here this morning were clothed in that. Amen. I'm ready to preach now. That was a little introduction. Amen. But I just thought it was so cool because, you know, the world tries to get us to think that this is why we celebrate this day. But really and truly what happened is so much more beautiful. Amen. Uh, I, I, I've had this strange sensation as I prayed this morning 
And as I've been leading up to this, that today is a divine day. I, I, I can't explain it. I just feel like there's an appointment that today, that, that you are here today for this time, that, that I'm here today for this time. I, I, I've really never had that such a strong push before. I wrote it down this morning as I was praying. I had my notes before me. That was what the Lord was just pressing upon me. This is div- today is a divine appointment for somebody today. Uh, so I, I'm not real sure what's going on, but I wanted to share that, that I think today is there's something God wants to do today, amen, in the life of somebody here. And, and I believe it is for this purpose that they are here. I believe it is for this purpose that I am here. There's something special about you when you know God is with you. There's just something special about that, and I feel that today, amen. Uh, I want to read uh, about a man named Bartimaeus and Jesus and from Mark chapter 10. And I'm going to begin in verse 46. And I don't know why I'm so nervous. I mean, I've been here so many times, but I'm a little anxious. Amen. Maybe I'm just ready to go. You know what I mean? But y'all can help me loosen up. You know, if you shout amen, smile at me pretty every once in a while. Nod a little bit. You know, let me know you agree with me. All those things will help relieve some of the pressure the man up here is feeling. Amen. Verse 46, it said, Now they came to Jericho as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude. Blind Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Exclamation point there. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Let us pray. Oh, Father, as I've said earlier, today is about you and your glory, Lord. May you remove anything that is not of you from this place, Lord. May our hearts be clear, Lord. May my my speech and my uh, words not be in man's wisdom, but be in power and demonstration of your Holy Spirit. And it's these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The context of this story is so important. If you just read the story, you're going to miss it. You have to understand what's taking place here. If you back up, I believe, to verse 32, you'll see that Jesus is on the road and he is out front of his disciples. And the Bible says that the disciples were were, were amazed and they were fearful. They could sense that something has changed in Jesus. They could sense that something is happening. He is, he's out front of them. Usually he was among them. This time he's out front of them. He is on his way to the cross. This is only a few days away uh, from, from, from what would take place on Friday. And, and, and he's got a, they can sense the, the different determination in his steps. They can sense that something is changing in him, that there's a purpose for which he came, that he is moving towards. And I love Mark because Mark is, I believe if Mark, 
he was from South Israel um, because he's a southern man. Um, <laughs> Mark's gospel is only 16 chapters. Mark doesn't give you any fluff. He doesn't give you any round. He's straight to the point. He would just he, he tells you exactly what happened and how it happened. He he doesn't go through any kind of extensive background. I just love Mark's the way he tells things. Uh, if you notice our text, it began with now they came to Jericho and the next line says as they went out of Jericho, they came and they went. I mean, that was Mark was so simple and so plain, you know. And, and, and Mark records no miracles. Mark records no teaching. Mark recalls none of these things happening. Yet as they come out, as they come out by the gate, all that's fixing to change. Amen. Then we're, we're introduced to blind Bartimaeus. And what I love about this man is that though he has lost his sense of sight, it is what he still has. His hearing that has him eager, that has him anticipation. You know, I think so many times in this life we focus on things that have lost. We get so wrapped up in things that have that have happened and things that have been taken away from us that we miss what we currently have. We can't enjoy what's in front of us because we're too busy on what happened behind us. Amen. And look at Mark here. He, he he's not worried about his eyesight. He's focused on what he hears. That's such a beautiful picture for us to get an understanding on, not to focus on things that have been taken away, things that have been lost, but to, to keep our eyes on what we have. Amen. Because it's what we got left that God's going to use to bless us. It's what we've got left that what God is going to use to bless others. Amen. Located at the city gate, blind Bartimaeus sits begging. And think about this, this great multitude coming by, this great caravan of people. That would have been a beggar's dream. That would have been a beggar's dream to, 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 to get him a few coins as this great multitude. Surely someone in this multitude is going to give me some bread. Surely someone in this great caravan of people has some extra money. Surely somebody is going to feel sorry for me. Yet he doesn't. He's concerned with his deepest need. Huh? I hope you're getting that. He was concerned with his deepest need. He was concerned with what ailed him the most. And he and his attention was on who could fix it. And if we'll get our if we'll get what's what our deepest need are, amen. Not the not the outward appearance of what sin is, but we, if we'll get to the root cause of what causes it, amen. Not the drinking, but what causes the drinking, huh? Not the not the sexual immorality, but what causes the sexual immorality. If we'll get to the depth of what is the problem. And then seek Jesus for that problem. Amen. Huh. The, 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 the other things will surely pass away. As a, as a man who sat by the gate, I'm sure blind Bartimaeus has heard all about Jesus. As people are coming and going in the city. I'm sure he's heard the story recently how Lazarus was raised from the dead. I'm sure he's heard his favorite story from from John chapter 9, how the man in Jerusalem who was born blind received his sight. I'm sure that was his favorite story. Amen. And now he's this, this blind beggar, this, as the caravan goes by, and he hears Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Amen. Just, just vividly get that picture in your head of a blind beggar who desperately wants his sight and he's heard these stories of this man who can perform these miracles and, and now he hears he's passing by. 
Jesus passes by and the blind man sits by the roadside. If he does not cry out, he's going to be stuck in his blindness. All he heard that Jesus was passing by and that was enough for him. That was all he needed to hear. We, we prepare on Sundays and we try to come up with these messages that are funny and, and get you to think. And all he needed was Jesus is passing by. Huh? How beautiful would it be if I could just come up here and say Jesus is in this place. And that people would run to this altar and fall down their faces and say, Lord, have mercy upon us. Amen. Oh, I wish that was our attitude. Even being warned. Even being warned to be quiet, he, he just cries out all the more. That's such our problem is that people tell us to be quiet or, or if we don't think something will be popular, then we quit doing it. Huh? You know, it would be unpopular to run down to the altar and cry out to God. Who, who, what would people think of me? Oh, to get to that point that we wouldn't care what nobody else thought. To get to that point where nothing else would matter but Jesus, huh? To realize that we are nothing but desperate souls without Jesus Christ. That's the attitude. That'll be the best day we've ever had. To realize that we are desperate without Christ. That'll be your best day. That'll be your best day. I like that his passion is advanced by the opposition. I like that his boldness increases at discouragement. Huh? He just cried out all the more. As they told him to be quiet. Jesus taught us to, to ask and to seek and to knock. And that ask it shows our dependence upon God. To ask Him, we show that we depend on Him. To seek, to seek God, it shows our determination. But to knock, it shows our desperation. That's where we need to get to, that desperate for God. I think of those four men that, that tore open the roof and let their paralyzed friend down in front of Jesus. They could have stopped when they saw that the room was packed and they couldn't get in. They could have stopped. But they, they, they were so desperate to get their friend before Jesus that they come up with this plan. And they climb up on the roof and they tear the roof open. Those were desperate men that had to get their friend before Jesus. I think about the woman who had the issue of blood. And she has to fight through the crowd just to touch the hem. Just to touch the hem of his garment. What desperation she had. What desperation she had. Twelve years bound in this, in this saying. She had to. What desperation we need. I think about the parable that Jesus told where the unjust judge gives in to the widow because of her consistent, just consistent nagging, consistently coming, consistently. And an unjust judge gives in. And then Jesus says the phrase, he said, how much more will your father in heaven give than this unjust judge? Huh? Think about that. If, if, if we're persistent, God says, how much more will God give? You know, no answer doesn't mean no. Bar- Barnabas wasn't answered in his first time. <clears throat> Son of God, have mercy upon us. Jesus didn't stop right then and there. He didn't answer right away. Huh? That's so beautiful to let us know that sometimes no answer doesn't mean no. We just have to keep asking. Amen? We have to get desperate and we have to continue to cry out to God and to put our requests upon Him. Surely this is the attitude we need for salvation, but let it not be limited just to salvation. Our God is too great. Our God is too mighty for that. Amen? This man's desire was for his sight. 
What is your desire today? Do you desire to... You have a physical ailment. Just like this man had. You have a physical ailment. That you need release from. Hmm? Is it, is it a lost loved one that you desperately want to see come to Christ? Don't give up. Keep seeking. Keep asking. Keep knocking. Amen? Is it that next step that you need to take in your walk with the Lord? And you know you need to take it. You know you need to take it. But, but you can't take it. You haven't taken it yet. The Lord will supply the power needed to take the step. Amen? You just have to keep after Him. Chase after Him. Don't chase after the next step. Chase after Him. Amen? I pray that that would be our attitude today. That we would leave this place. We would not leave this place without making our desires known to God. And we would not take no for an answer. We would just continue to press upon God. To press upon God. (laughs) My favorite part. My favorite part. Is always Jesus. I always have like an idea in my head of what I think is going to happen. And, what I, and then when I begin to study, it's just Jesus comes out. Amen? <laughs> and we have to take recognition. We have to take careful watch of His response. Although Jesus has changed His position, He's still the same today. He's still the same guy. Amen? And His character, if we could just glean some of His character and begin to apply that character to our relationship with Him, all the transformation that will take place in our lives will be overwhelming. If we understand who it is that we're talking to, who that is is our Father. Amen? Watch Jesus closely as He is walking with this intensified purpose. The reason for which He came is days ahead. The reason for which he came is days ahead. If you read most of the gospel, he'll tell you, I must. I must go to Jerusalem. I got to go. And they would say, no, you don't need to go. He said, I got to go. He was determined to go to the cross and die for my sin and for your sin. It it was the purpose for which he came. And now he's on the way to that journey. He He is steadfast. He is out front. He is leading the way. Yet the cries of Lord Bartimaeus stop him dead. Huh? Imagine that. That our God, who could hear a prayer and would stop and stand still. Huh? Man, that blessed me so much. That blessed me so much to know that my God would stand still for me. Amen? That He, that he, that he has mercy upon me. That He hears my cries in desperation and He stops and listens. He takes notice of me. I think of Joshua in chapter 10. And Joshua is the macho man of the book. So if you men in here have never read Joshua, I'm waiting for the movie on Joshua because Joshua is where they take the land. And so it's a fighting movie. Uh, you know, it's a fighting book. And I love it. But chapter 10, chapter 10 is this great big war that is taking place, this great big battle that's taking place. And Joshua is trying to eliminate all of God's enemies. And he says, God, will you, will you make the sun stand still? And the sun stands still so that he's got enough daylight to complete the battle, to finish the battle. But I would rank the prayer of Lauren Bartimaeus over that of Joshua before he made the S-O-N stand still. Amen? He made the Son of God stand still. See how powerful your prayer is. How powerful your prayer is that God stands still in those moments. Amen? The power of faith is the power on earth that employs the power of heaven. 
When we pray, God hears more than the words. He listens to our hearts. Amen. It's not really what we say. It's not so much as what we say, but it's the position of our hearts and what we're saying. You can say, oh God, I need you. But if your heart is not really positioned toward that need. But if you had a heart positioned toward God and you were in tears and just on your face before God, knowing that you need him, you would never have to say you need him. He could hear your heart. Amen. (laughs) Herod and Pilate and the scribes and the chief priests and everybody has tried to stop Jesus and nobody could. But Bon Bartimaeus could. Jesus was constantly on the move. When you read through the Gospels, you'll see him. He's constantly on the move. He would do something on the Sabbath and they would try to catch him and he would slip out the back door. He was constantly slippery and constantly unable to be tied down. But yet blind Bartimaeus has tied him to one spot. Amen. He's made him stand still. James and John and Peter have warned blind Bartimaeus to be quiet. Yet 50 Peters... Fifty Peters couldn't shut up blind Bartimaeus. Huh? Think about that. How beautiful that is. That if we would just, if we would just, when people say something against us, that we would just take the the praise and the criticism both belong to God. Neither one of them belong to me. Amen? If people say, oh, Neil, that was great. It belongs to God. Oh, Neil, that stinks. It belongs to God. It's all His. Amen? The prayer of Bartimaeus has stopped the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And it is to this day that our God stands still for broken and contrite hearts. That's what the Bible says in Psalms 34. It says that a broken and a contrite heart he will not despise. He will not despise those things. If we could at this moment just open the windows of heaven, we would see our God standing still for us. Hearing our prayers, answering our prayers as his his job as the advocate for us. The Bible says that every one of our tears are in his bottle. Huh? That he, that he has everything fashioned for us. That our days are written out. I just want you to, next time you get into your prayer closet, next time you get into your quiet time, I just want to imagine you, I just want you to imagine Jesus standing, listening to what you have to say. Wanting to answer you. Loving to answer you. The only other place in Scripture that I could found where Jesus stood is in Acts chapter 7 when Stephen is being stoned. And Stephen preaches this, this Christ, man, it's just beautiful, going through the Old Testament and drives them toward Jesus. He goes through this whole deal and then he says, I see the heavens open and I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Every other place in the Bible it would say that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. But here Stephen gives a reference to Jesus standing. I think that Jesus may be standing upon us and looking upon us today. Amen. If he did it for Stephen, he would do it for us. He is no respecter of persons. Romans 2.11. Amen. So if he would stand for Stephen's sermon and he would look upon him, maybe he's standing looking upon this place. Is he's going to pass through here? Is there anybody that is bold enough? Is there anybody that would cry out to him? Oh, son of God, have mercy upon me. I would just let him ease on out of the door. <laughs> I want you to notice that Jesus not only stops. He not only stops. But he commands the disciples to bring Bartimaeus to him. And I'm going to give you a free one. This is just on the house. Jesus could have just called Bartimaeus. He could have stopped and said, Bartimaeus, come here. But he involved the disciples in what he was doing. 
Huh? Isn't that cool that Jesus involves us in his work? Huh? That we get to partake. He's got something going on, but he's just going to let us be a part of what he's doing. How cool is that? And Jesus demonstrates that for us. When he fed the 5,000, he didn't need nobody to pass out anything. He didn't need nobody to take up anything left over. Amen. He came out of the grave. If he wanted to pass it out himself, he could have passed it out himself. But he allowed them to partake in what he was doing. Amen. I was free. Not only Jesus passes, not only he stops, but he presents himself with his arms open saying, come unto me. The question we must consider before we leave here today is not how many times Jesus has not only passed by. Not only how many times has he stopped, but how many times has he knocked on the door of our hearts? Amen. And it's good that you feel that. If you feel that today, it's good. That means he loves you. He wants you. And he's pressing upon you. Amen. Don't fight that. Come is his invitation. Come has always been his invitation. All the way back to Noah. He said, Noah, you and your family come into the ark. It wasn't go into the ark. It was come into the ark because that's where he was at. Amen. He says, come to where I'm at. Come into the ark. Come, you and your family. His invitation is come. It's always been come. Lazarus, who was dead in the tomb. Jesus says, come forth, Lazarus. Come forth. So that's a picture for me. If you're dead in your sins and you're dead in trespasses, as the Bible says, Jesus says to you, come forth. When he, when he met the disciples and, the, and the, the storm was going on, he told Peter, he said, come. Come, as Peter gets out of the boat. So if life is a storm, if things are going crazy and everything is out of your control and nothing you seem to be able to do is right, Jesus says, come. Come to me. Bring it to me. Amen. And, and it's not a one-time deal. It's not a one-time... He had to come to Peter again. After his resurrection on the shore, he tells Peter, come. Come, this time eat breakfast with me. Come on, Peter. So if you're here today and your relationship with the Lord has been broken, he'll say, come, let's restore it. Amen. Come and let's dine together. Let's share this bread together. Let's share this fish together. Let's get to know one another. Amen. Oh, my God, he is so good. He is so good. The spirit and the bride say, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears, come. Let him who thirsts, come. Jesus said in John six thirty seven, the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. If you come to me, I won't cast you out. I, I, look, I don't know what you've done. Amen. If you've known some of the unspeakable things that I've done, you would say, Why? we let him come in by my fellowship. But whatever it is that you've done, whatever it is that is in your past, Jesus says, come, I will not cast you away. I am able to save the uttermost. And if you think that if you think that his sacrifice, if you think that that's not that you're not worthy of it, you're not worthy of it. But he's worthy of it. Amen. Jesus is worthy. Jesus is worthy for you to say that it's not enough for saying that the cross wasn't good enough for you. That he needs to get back on the cross. He needs to hang there for a few more hours. Amen. He needs to take more stripes. It was good enough. Amen. It was good enough. He's worthy of it. Amen. Man. God, thank you. Colossians says, put off the old man and put on the deeds of the new man. Put on the new man. Amen. I think you always got to leave something. Everybody wants to get to heaven, but you got to sacrifice to get there. What are you willing to give up to get there? 
In the South, everybody's going to heaven. But there's got to be a sacrifice made for that. I think about the woman at the well in John chapter 4. And, and she's, she's come to get water. She's come to get water out of the well. And then if you read the story on, she leaves her water pot and goes back. you got to leave something. Think of Elisha in the Old Testament as Elijah is passing by and calls him into the ministry. And Elisha is, he's doing the family business. He's plowing. He's got his, his plow and his ox and all that. And Elijah says, come, you're in the ministry now. And, and Elisha cuts down the plow and cuts up the, the cow, the ox, and sacrifices it on the altar. When you, when you decide to follow Jesus, there has to be a sacrifice. Amen. There has to be something that is sacrificed, that is self-righteous. That, that all the deeds of the old life have to be sacrificed. Barnabas face to face with Jesus. This is the this is the picture that I had in my head of blind Barnabas standing before Jesus. Amen. Barnabas didn't give when they come and call Barnabas. He didn't say thank you. <laughs> he didn't hesitate. He jumped right up. His opportunity had come and he pounced on it. Amen. His opportunity had come and without hesitation he throws off his garment and comes to Jesus. His opportunity had come and he, and he was ready for it. He threw aside that garment and he, because that garment could have hindered him. And that's what we need to do. We need to, we need to throw away every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. We need to throw it aside. The cares of this world need to be thrown aside. The self-righteousness that we think we have needs to be thrown aside and we just need to come unto Jesus. If anything in our relationship is hindering us from getting to God, we need to throw it aside. Any evil, anything that is hindering us from Jesus is evil. And we need to throw it aside. Bartimaeus face to face with Jesus. Can you just imagine him standing there before the Lord? Can you just picture it in your head? Every eye on the crowd is, is fixed upon them with this fervent expectation. What is Jesus going to do now? And then the blind beggar hears, what do you want me to do for you? And what I love about this story is reading in the context. If you go back up to verse 36 and he's talking with the disciples, Jesus asked the disciples the same question. What do you want me to do for you? And it shows me that God is, he's an equal opportunity God. The the ground at the cross is level. Amen. It's for white, it's for black, it's for old, it's for young. It's for blind, it's for seeing, it's for the deaf, it's for hearing. Amen. It's for the sinner. The ground at the cross is level. What do you want me to do for you? He gives the same offer to the men who have been following him for three and a half years. He gives that same offer to a blind beggar standing by the roadside. What do you want me to do for you? That should just light up every soul in here today. That you could leave here and say... Whatever God did for Billy Graham, he's willing to do for me. Whatever God did for Neil, he's willing to do for me. Amen? What do you want me to do for you? The ground is level. Amen? I love this part because blind Bartimaeus does not give reason for his blindness. He doesn't give a reason for what happened to him. He doesn't cast blame. He doesn't say, well, I'm this way because this happened. Huh? 
I'm this way because that's the way I was raised. I'm this way because this happened. And I'm, I'm just, he didn't give any reasons for that. He didn't try to justify it. He said, well, I do this because this happened. And, and you know, I try to make up for it with this. He didn't give any reasons. He didn't try to justify his blindness. He just simply puts his request before God. Barnabas shows us exactly how easy it is to talk to Jesus. It shows us how simplistic it really is. Many times the, the preachers and the teachers of, of, the, of the word of God and of the gospel, we try to make it hard for you. <laughs> we, try to, we try to make it so hard for you. We try to make it so complicated with all these jargon and all these, these different terms of theology. But it's just coming to Jesus. And simply putting your requests before Him. It's that simple. I was reading this week and I came across 1 Corinthians 11.3 and I thought it was just perfect. As Paul warns the people in Corinthians, listen to Paul's words to the church at Corinth. He says, I fear as the serpent deceived Eve by craftiness, so your minds have been corrupted from the simplicity in Christ. Don't be deceived by the simplicity that is in Christ. There's a simple nature. It's just coming to Jesus. And as you have a relationship with your mom. As you have a relationship with your dad. As you have a relationship with your children. You have a relationship with your God. Amen. You read his word. He speaks to you. You pray to him. You speak to him. You take him with you wherever you go. He goes before you and behind you. He is with you. And the more you live in his presence. It's hard to sin. Huh? It's hard to look on the internet at something you shouldn't be looking at. If you think Jesus is with you. Huh? It's hard to do things like that if Jesus is with you. And you just take Him with you wherever you go. And that, the other stuff, it'll, it'll begin to move out of the way because you can't do that. Huh? You can't steal a cookie from the cookie jar when Mama's in the kitchen. Amen? The last thing I want us to look at quickly, and it's really the most important part of this whole story, is after receiving his sight, Jesus says to him, go your way. Go your way. Jesus had given him choice. See, that's the, that's the greatest love, is to give somebody a choice. And he gives Barnabas choice. Go your way. Your sight has made you well. And Barnabas chooses right. He chooses right. He chose to follow Jesus. Jesus' way is now his way. He had chose the right way. It's the same with us. When Jesus blesses us, He gives us a choice to now follow Him. I fear many are being made well, but they're not following. We are told that Barnabas followed Jesus. And this is why I wanted to give you the context of this story. Because without the context of the story... It's just another little cute little Bible story of a blind man getting in sight. But understanding the context of the story is really going to put this thing to life. And I want you to understand that Barnabas is following Jesus. Fifteen miles from Jericho to Jerusalem. They would go into Jerusalem. Jesus would ride on the donkey. He would follow behind Jesus as the, the crowds would shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. As the palm leaves would fall down before him, Barnabas would be a part of that crowd praising and dancing before the Lord. Amen. He would be a part of that great, um, that great demonstration, that great praise that our Lord Jesus truly deserved. 
He would, he would be there when Jesus, later in the week, would get him a whip and go through the temple on everybody out. Huh? Barnabas would have been a witness to those things. He would have been a witness to the conversations with the Pharisees and those things that had took place. And later in the week, he would see him get beaten. He would see him get spit upon. He would see him have to carry his cross through downtown. He would see him hang there for six hours. If he truly followed Jesus, he would have seen all this. Three days later, he would have, he would have been a part of the joy that Jesus has raised from the dead, that he's now alive. He would, have, he would have had to follow Jesus through that. Jesus followed a despised and crucified Jesus. And the question is, will you do the same? Will you do the same? I pray today that the Lord would make this place as the gate of Jericho. And he would do his work here today. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, I truly feel you in this place today, Lord. I've truly felt your presence, Lord. I believe, as your word says, where two or three or more are gathered, you are there in the midst of them. I believe that you are passing through this place today, Lord. Lord, and I pray that there is some heart here that is tuned to you, Lord. That is tuned to you that doesn't care what anybody else thinks. It's not interested in, in uh, becoming popular or anything, but they just need to get to you, Lord. And I pray that they would do what you are leading them to do. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.